0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I was about to say, welcome to 2018, but that was last week, right? But I guess we're still probably writing 2017 on like checks, whoever writes checks anymore, or like your homework, or uh, I don't know. Where do people write dates? Anyways, the guest this week is Mr. Nikki Money from the band Nothing from Death to Lovers. He also played in a great hardcore band called Horror Show. And uh, this, this episode has been a long time in the making, in my head at least, because he, I've always admired what he's done musically. He seems like a very uh, creative individual, uh, a guy that's had a lot of uh, turmoil in his life. But throughout it all, he's always been able to,, um, I to say come out ahead, but you know that's that's maybe debatable. But he's always been able to, um, you know, put amazing art in the world. and I, I respect that, you know, because uh, it's it, it's difficult to expose yourself and to put yourself out there. And so uh, the fact that uh, Nick is very, open about uh not only his past but uh you know his his struggles that he goes through and just kind of everything and it's all put out there i just uh, i can't help but admire that so uh yeah that's what we got for that uh visit noecho.net please i know i tell you every episode but some of you are not doing that and i'm pointing at you i'm talking to you visit the website they have great content from a punk hardcore metal perspective You know, photographer spotlights, vinyl collector spotlights, just a lot of cool articles, I guess, you know, about uh, independent music. So uh, you should get into it. And uh, what else do I got to tell you? My life is good. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Um, Been doing a lot of traveling recently. The Taken shows. I didn't tell you about those because I was supposed to put out a bonus episode and uh, I did not uh, I did, did not do that. But uh, the taking shows were spectacular in Canada last month, and uh, I'm going to be gearing up to doing some more and uh, releasing our new EP, and I'm very excited about that. I'll play you some music at some point, for those of you that uh, I actually met up in Canada when uh, we played the shows and were like, hey, I you know, just came to the show because I really like your podcast. It's like, wow, that rules, man. Thank you very much. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's that I'm moving into my new house finally in the next couple weeks. And I've been living with my parents for well over a year and, um, I love them to death, but holy crap, it gets, uh, gets a little tiring. Like right now I'm recording in the living room because no one is here and, uh, you're just living on top of each other constantly. And that's, uh, that's hard after a while. So I'm very excited to be in the new space shortly and, um, yeah, like I said, Nikki was uh, was just a great guest, and this conversation is extremely loose. You know, I, I know that most of these are just conversations, and uh, obviously not scripted in any capacity. But uh, Nikki was uh, hanging out with his friends at a bar. Uh, I mean, he was. I know that's going to sound like, oh my gosh, like this conversation could be terrible. Uh, you're going to hear a bunch of uh, you know crazy people in the background, and you do hear a little bit of that. But, uh, Nikki was super focused and wanting to hang out and talk with me. And I really appreciated that because, uh, yeah, he could have just been hanging out with friends, drinking and shooting pool, but, uh, he didn't do that. So, well, he did do that, but not when we were discussing. So thank you very much, Nikki. And I also want to thank out my, thank out that that's a new word, right? Thank out. <laughs> I want to thank my friend Stephanie, who uh, does his PR and uh, has worked with him for uh, a while on various projects. Thank you to Stephanie for hooking us up. Anyways, here is my discussion with Nikki. All right, get excited! Woo-hoo. And I definitely got keyed into you when you obviously were playing in a horror show, and it, it seemed it seemed to me that that, that the style yeah, of, the style of music that you guys were doing you know was definitely reminiscent of the the time in regards to you know other bands like American Nightmare Panic and all that sort of stuff. Did you ever feel like you kind of fit in with that scene, or were you guys just kind of like the weird band from Philly that did this sort of weird aggressive hardcore?
1: Well, I mean, I was super close with all those guys at the time. Like, I was. at that that time uh gibby from panic uh was was throwing uh you know he was starting to get into like djing and throwing parties up in boston all the time uh and Wes was like you know like starting to come out of his shell a bit more because he was you know he's in a popular band and you know uh it was a a strange time there was like make out club and all that shit going on at that point and like you know these dudes were having like great parties it was like all dudes that were in the hardcore but were also into like you know New Order do Joy Division and and like Smiths and all this stuff so like we all like kind of linked and uh you know at that point like I was I was living in Philly but I was real close with them so like I would bring up like a hundred pills of ecstasy from Philly up to Boston and like you know sell all ecstasy to everybody and then we would just like while out for like a, like four days and then i would go back down to philly and uh i mean we became really close so like yeah like i mean that was like for sure like it was like you know panic american nightmare horror show or like three like a like a uh you know a triple threat kind of you know like <laughs> right. we were we were, for at what you know you know at one point like i felt you know it was pretty like the most comfortable i ever felt like you know with being around people uh you know everyone was so uptight to that point and i finally found some people that like you know i felt like i can completely be myself around and stuff and you know
0: no that's- and then there
1: was lots of drugs involved as, as well plus i mean on on my on the back end we're talking about like in 2000, 2001, uh, and I'm getting ready. Like I was already sentenced at that point uh, for prison for two thousand two. So everything felt like it was literally like a day to day thing, and I never really knew how like the, the night was going to end or anything. So it was it was pretty poetic in that form, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I, I really like that that depiction because it was, you know, it, I didn't really reflect on it as such, but it, it was a weird time for these people who were ostensibly, you know, just weirdos in their high school to all of a sudden have kind of, you know, national attention playing in a band and then to be also kind of popular in this different, you know, scene. Yeah, of it was,
1: it was new. It was new for all of us for sure. Uh, and, you know, and, and those guys really liked all, all those Philly guys that were coming up there at that point, because, you know, a lot of these kids were like suburban kids and we were like, you know, the kind of like leather neck, like kind of like, rough around the edges kind of guys you know always getting into trouble always fighting and stuff and so like we got up there it was like it was really cool for us Philly guys so I st- like it started with me and then it was like me and like me and Bushy and then a couple other guys like came up and by the end I was bringing like carloads of Philly guys up to Boston all the time and, you know we were just like partying pretty much and it was it was an f- interesting time but also like I said you know having that in the background in the shadows lurking knowing that 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 ticking clock was coming where I was going to have to turn myself in. It was just like a lot to deal with. Like a, a lot of nights went from being like really fun to turning really dark by the end of the, by the morning hours, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. Well, yeah. Cause you were on borrowed time. You were just like, well, I got to have fun. But then the reality sets in and you're just like, shit, I got to do this thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, it never really left my train of thought very often uh, at times but it was fleeting but it always you know got its way back into my head for sure
0: yeah for sure um so kind of reflecting on you yourself were you born and raised in philly or where did you come up yeah i grew up in like
1: uh like northeast north philly like i lived in frankfurt for a while i lived in a with Sonoma, uh, a long time I lived in Kensington for a while so I mean but yeah like center you know like the middle actual Philadelphia you know that that term it's thrown around pretty loose as as you can imagine but
0: uh, yeah well especially all the people that live in you know Doylestown are like oh yeah we're from Philly it's like well yeah no no you're not
1: <laughs> no I'm an extreme advocate of making sure that people know that I'm actually from Philly I guess that's just like a it's like a, it's a really dumb thing to to really, you know, make a point. But it, it always has been for me.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, especially too, because it's easy for people to rep a certain city when they're just close to it. And it's like, well, you don't actually have the experience of what it's like to be raised in this city.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, there's like a, it's it's everyone has their own thing growing up, and I don't. I mean, obviously there's people that have insane upbringings in any kind of environment, which I just never understood why people weren't just like more open about like where they came from, because it doesn't really matter where the fuck you're coming from. Cause you could have any kind of fucking problem wherever the fuck you're at. You know what I mean? But I, I, I just, it always bothered me. I don't know why. Probably just easily bothered.
0: <laughs> um, and so, uh, kind of on that same tip the um you know your your upbringing in the city like what was your family structure like like you know I, I know you were estranged from your father for a little bit but like were mom and dad in the house initially and like do you have brothers and sisters
1: i mean i, I don't really i don't really recall much time of my dad being around uh it, it was more along the lines of when he was coming back trying to sort shit out that he fucked up before that i that we really started to become a relationship and by that point, I was just, like, a fucking piece of shit maniac. Right. That was a complete accident, so I don't even fucking try that. The one was, not the other one. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Sorry, my friends are playing pool at the bar. No, don't worry. And, uh... But, yeah, I mean, uh... That was a good shot. They... You know, he... He, the, the, the most memories I have from him like around that time I was only like 7 or 8 years old uh, and it was like you know him like fucking chasing my family around the house like with a belt and shit you know like typical like lower middle class like blue collar family right abuse it doesn't really tend to happen as much as it does these days uh, as it used to in like the 80s and stuff but uh you know, it, it, was it was basically like just my mom holding shit down, working right. a couple jobs. And then her, you know, dealing with like three kids that were just like on like their own separate destruction path pretty much. Maybe in like the baby out of the three.
0: Right. And so you you, you had two older brothers or brother or sister?
1: I had an older brother and an older sister. Got and it. Sunday, Sunday was the metalhead and Jesse was the... Uh, the, the the ever blossoming punk skinhead uh hardcore and eventual like indie slow dive fucking guy right uh, you know he went the whole the whole route so right but like, yeah I mean it was, it was always it was it was always it was always just like everything all three of us just going in three lightning bolts you know just like my mom trying to hold shit down and you know Right, <laughs> well, I never will have a kid for sure because I know that I'm in a world
0: of payback coming my way. <laughs> it's, it, it's. I find it interesting that all of your siblings, like you said, were all into their own areas of subculture and music. So, like you know, I guess everybody just kind of got into it like on their own with you know other friends kind of influencing them.
1: Well, my mom was a my mom was definitely a really big influence on all of us like artistically uh you know and my dad when he was around was too in his own way you know he kind of gave us our style and my mom kind of gave us like a little bit more intelligence than he had to offer uh my dad was kind of like you know og like og like want to be black guy you Mm -hmm. know he worked in an all-black union Drove around in a giant Lincoln, dressed super fly. Always spent his money on jewelry. Uh, doing a lot of illegal shit, you know. Hanging around the neighborhood, you know, uh, listening to old soul and old funk. Like, yeah. And then my mom was the exact opposite. My mom was like a hippie beatnik in the 60s like loves like poetry and folk music but also like was like got into in the 80s got into like a lot of like post-punk stuff like Susie and cocteau twins and like the cure uh so like you know it was very well-rounded and and, you know out of that like my sister found metal heads that she kind of met up with and kind of jesse kind of kind of got her into some like or metal stuff and then jesse kind of really led the way as far as like the musical taste i mean that's where i got a lot of my stuff from between him and my mom
0: got it got it and did like at, at any point did you kind of i mean like you said your your father was into you know <laughs> weird illegal stuff like did you ever uh did you ever think the stuff that he was doing was cool or was it always just like you just did you were too young to understand it
1: i'm sorry can you you kind of broke up a tiny bit right there
0: no it's okay i was saying you know your father was like you mentioned into some you know weird stuff weird illegal stuff did you ever i guess kind of like look up to him in a way or were you too young to recognize that
1: no it took me a while to before i even knew that that shit was going on like uh you know when i was a teenager my mom would kind of like kind of indulge me a little bit more uh into what like stuff he was doing? I mean, it, it's obvious now. I know what you like, what the union dudes were up to at that point. You know, especially like the, the labor union where he was. It was like in the seventies and the eighties. Was like like a, a, insanely like enterprising criminal. You know, underworld. You know, they were they were doing a lot of like a lot of a lot of illegal shit. And you know? there were feds who would come to our house all the time, way after he was already gone like out with like this new lady that he was with, you know. Uh, and, you know, it, fed, fed guys would come to the door and there would be two guys in suits. I would never know what was going on, but it wasn't until later on where mom would be like, yeah, fed guys would come in the house, ask his questions. They would ask crazy questions like about like Jimmy Hoffa and stuff like that. They, just, they were just like, you know, they were just like, they're harassing us basically. They thought that we were hiding him and he was really just gone. Right. Uh, And, you know, they just would come around and my mom would just be like, kind of just like, fuck off, get out of here. Like, what do you want to know? I'm not going to talk to you, like type shit. Like some like shitty good fellas, like one of these shit.
0: Right, right, right. Did did you ever, um, like you said, I I, I guess at what age did you find yourself looking back on that being like, holy shit, like that was a real unstable environment?
1: Oh, I mean... I don't know man like everyone I grew up with is like kind of was in the same boat so it never really seemed too weird I mean it wasn't until like way later until I realized like you know like being around other people that had like significantly way more normal lives where I was like oh well (laughs) and by that point I was completely super comfortable with myself and who I was at that you know I never really had like an embarrassment point where I was like oh god like you know like I, I always like embraced it rather than like was like because it was of the norm you know like actually like my i felt like my scenario was like way less crazy than some of my friends scenarios you know friends that i don't even see around that aren't around anymore like you know yeah uh mine seemed mild and tame compared to like some of the people that i started to be around and like you know
0: yeah i guess
1: it still does seem mildly tame to uh, most of them you know what i mean so i mean it's not until I'm around like some real like normies that I can fucking, you know,
0: right. Reflect on that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so I, as you started to develop your own identity, um, you know, once you got into high school and stuff like that, what kind of, you've always struck me as a, you know, a pretty friendly dude were, but then also, you know, you, you had the, uh, the, the violence that kind of surrounded you, um, so what kind of kid did you find yourself being like, you know, did you have a short temper or were you just like, no man, I'm I'm cool with most people as long as they don't push me.
1: I mean, a lot of this, a lot of this stemmed from like, you know, I I was a really peaceful, peaceful human being for like the longest time. Uh, and you know, besides being like a troublemaker, you know, like a deviant kind of, uh, Like, I never was violent by any means. Uh, You know, then my mom, she moved out of, like, Frankfurt and up to the northeast. And she, you know, she tried to move me to uh, reintroduce me to, like, a Catholic school after, like, six years or whatever of not being in any schooling like that. I was in Catholic school for a year and a half, and I got, like, hit by a car and, you know— they wouldn't help with tuition, so they had they they took me out. my mom like ri off religion in the family, basically like very openly was just like you know, don't believe these people, they're not here to help us, kind of thing you know mm-hmm. uh we're here to help ourselves, like you know we're here to work like that's how you make things happen It's a type of you know thing, so she tried to reintroduce me uh to the Catholic school in like freshman year in high school, and I lasted like two months before I got kicked out. I was getting like getting beat up like every other day by like these bro dudes like nicknames like literally we could walk to the bus stop if i happen to win like start to win one fight with one of them they would just jump me it was literally like torture honestly
0: uh that's all were, were, were they just were they just fucking with you based on the fact that they just like you know
1: i mean i was a punk kid i was like okay, you know it. i was like patches on my school bag and stuff and you know right just like bullshit you know and just like normal typical shit and these kids this part of philly is like you know is like not even from the neighborhood they found out i was like from down there originally so they would call me like you know dirtbag, like white trash all this bullshit you know right so i was just fighting with those kids all the time and uh, i finally just like lost it one time and like got kicked out got sent to frankfurt high school which i wanted to go that's where all the people i knew were you know that's like a is like a eighty percent black school, but like you know that's like where everyone in my neighborhood was going. So I, I got my way and ended up back down in Frankfurt. And lo and behold, I barely got in any trouble down there. But I think that 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 little bit of time really did have some sort of effect on me because it was like right after that point where I started to, you know, I had never really been in a fight before until then, and then all of a sudden like. Uh, anytime I felt like I was pushing I was like, Well, wow. I was around a bunch of kids now that were ready to do this all the time whenever, you know, and, and it just became custom, accustomed to to, to to seem like the way to answer any kind of problem, you know.
0: Right, yeah, well, especially too, where it's like if you basically go in a sort of a defensive state of mind, it's hard to get out of that, even if you're in a different environment.
1: Yeah, precisely.
0: Yeah. Um, So, like, I mean, like you said, you bounce around at schools and stuff like that. Did you ever, I guess, kind of like care about school or the idea of like, oh, I'm going to get a job and that sort of stuff? Or was that just kind of like, whatever, I'm just fighting my time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I literally never had a, never had a, I've never been a planner until I think it was post prison that was like where I, I started to like, even divulge into like anything more than what was going to be like till the next day, you know, uh, I was pretty just like self-indulgent, uh, and, and, and not really, not really, uh, planning for much than, than what was, was going on right at the single moment. So.
0: Got it. Got it. Um, so yeah, I, I guess in many ways, and I think a lot of people have spoken to you about this before. You know, it, go you know going away for those two years gave you a, a kind of a renewed purpose in a way. Yeah.
1: I mean, initially, uh, initially no. Uh, I came home with it like most dudes do. Come home from prison uh, with a pretty big chip on their shoulder. Uh, you know and I immediately came home and started you know like I got back into like selling coke and stuff around Philly you know uh, like, yeah. like clockwork immediately on parole with like five years behind me like if I get caught I'm going back to jail to serve five years you know and and I just still was just out there you know still acting like a knucklehead pretty much and, and, and you know I don't know what it was I mean it was like a couple of years down the line I just like had like some sort of realization I was like man what the fuck are you doing like, this isn't even you this isn't even what you've ever been about like like you need to like straighten up like you're gonna be back in there again and and i and i kind of did slowly but surely it wasn't like an overnight thing but right you know i saw one thing it was like I, I stopped like just like letting myself be so uh i can't think of the word right now i mean just so loose pretty much and and and, and uh you know, just acting on uh, whatever emotion I felt immediately without like thinking about anything, you know, and, and that sure. was all my decision making was just like, you know, very fast and very emotional.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're acting, uh, you're acting on impulse.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly. Um, it was very impulsive behavior. That's the word I was searching for. Yeah. So yeah. I had a few beers already today. So
0: No, you're good, man. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I guess what uh, what started to attract you to you know like punk and hardcore um, was it just basically kind of you know the the community and energy behind it or was it just um, you know the other aspects of it like you know the DIY mentality and all that sort of stuff?
1: I mean, originally, originally was just straight up, just uh, you know the fact that that's what all my friends were into and I, the music seemed right like it fit, like, you know, uh, it fit the, it fit the the soundtrack for everything that was going on. So vivid, vivid and perfect, you know? And, and I just loved being around like my friends pretty much, you know? And, uh, it, it, it never seemed like it was going to end ever, you know? And, and, and the music and the, you know, even when we started visiting, like when we managed to like get out of, the neighborhood and started to go downtown to like, you know, whenever we're, we're like most of the real punk shows were happening in like West Philly, and like, uh, we 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 suddenly realized pretty fast that we didn't really, it wasn't going to be like a community thing like that, like, we were going to meet these people and it was going to be like oh yeah, these are people are just like us too. It was like, we get down there and we find like that there's like a lot of punk kids that are not like us at all and like way more civilized than like, right. and you know, like, uh, and, you know, better school, better parented and, and came from better places and, you know, uh, didn't act like savages, you know, uh, did, did terrible things too, but like in different ways than us, you know, uh, so as you can imagine it's like it, it wasn't long before like we started getting into like trouble with even those people from the, the, the scene in philadelphia
0: right and when did it kind of you because know, horror show was ostensibly your first band right like or did you have other stuff you did before? i had
1: like some city punk bands from before uh that i played like guitar for and stuff but it was like really nothing to mention
0: yeah, like I mean, did you did you like play like start playing shows with those previous bands too and stuff?
1: We played a couple of shows like in the neighborhood in Kensington and stuff like that, like some shows that like Joe Hardcore was putting on early on, sure. before he even knew anybody in the city either, you know. Uh, and it was just like a bunch of like bands from the neighborhood, but they were like just, like really like entry level like punk band kind of things, you know. Like there was like your typical like oi band that were like just like all the songs where it's about drinking beer is at this bar that we all like to <laughs> hang out and like try to get 40s and you know like typical shit but like in you know inner city obviously north philly like punk kids i guess you know
0: right right
1: and then we you know we get downtown and it's like people are taking pumpkins you know there's a lot of shit that we didn't know about that we were rolling in at like 14 years old you know
0: Sure. Um, and why, why, why did you pick up guitar initially? Was that just like convenient? My, br- my
1: brother played. So, uh, he used to teach me like fucking minor threat songs and stuff and like misfits. I think I knew how to play like, like four misfits songs. And at the same time I was still listening to like fucking like um, Oasis was coming out at that point And like, you know, all like the, some of the grown stuff I was like still kind of into, you know?
0: Right. Which is, I, I love that time in people's music lives where you know you don't have to listen to a music because it's cool. You just listen to it because you like it. You know, it's like yeah, I like Oasis. Yeah. And I like this thing. It's like yeah, it doesn't matter. it's yeah, all, it's it's all music. Like,
1: did, had no idea of like what what came with any of the music besides listening to it on a stereo. You know, like I, I had no idea till later on that like I had to hide the fact that the punk kids that I you know that I, I was. Loved Green Day for a while. I was like, I was like, I can't tell anybody this. They so fucking think I'm a joke, you know. And it was about <laughs> to get to a certain point. You're like, oh fuck everybody! Everyone sucks, and everyone was listening to that embarrassing shit when they were fucking thirteen and fourteen, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like that doesn't matter, man. I don't need to. I don't need to hide this from anybody. You know how it is, though. It takes yeah. a
1: while to realize that you gotta keep that shit in the closet.
0: Totally, totally. Yeah, you're like, I can't. I'm listening to this on my own time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's funny being embarrassed about Oasis and then look and see what's going on now
0: yeah exactly Exactly, product, man <laughs> um and so I, as you started to, you know, play a horror show and kind of, you know, get out and tour a little bit, um, did you like, I guess, that, that touring lifestyle? Or was that something that, you know, you uh, only liked in small doses?
1: Well, uh, never really did much touring. I mean, we never even made it to the West Coast. Uh, right, right,
0: like on the East Coast, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, like, I mean, it was literally this, like, at that point, like, the way I look at this shit, like, now, like, almost business-like, you know. Uh, then it was like Everybody tried to jam in the van We're not even going to bring equipment Like we're going to use everyone else's shit We're not going to even ask till we get there uh, We're going to fill up the van with a hundred as many people As we possibly can no matter how uncomfortable It is and we're going to drive down to Richmond We're going to play a show And all of us are going to fight the whole entire time Horror shows playing and then we're going to go home And that was basically like the whole thing Right. Or, or maybe not even get in a fight. It wasn't always, like, about fighting, either. I don't want to paint the wrong picture, but, like, I mean, it was, it was, that's, I mean, that's what it was. Put a ton of fucking kids in the van and fucking go, and, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true, especially when it's, like. Stealing
1: food at every rest stop, like, just, like, you know, dirty-ass little. degenerate kids, you know. Yeah,
0: pretty <laughs> much. Um. And what, like, as you started, to, like you said, you know, just whatever, get out and play a few shows here and there. Um, was that kind of like, yo, I, I got to I gotta figure out a way to, like, do this more, um, you know, prior to, you know, the, the jail sentence looming in your life? Was it like, yo, I got to play in bands?
1: Nah, man, it was never like that at all. It, it, it honestly was like, I, I, I really started to enjoy playing music. But uh, my mind was not at all focused on any of that shit. It was strictly about like uh, what I was about to try to get myself into, and and if I was going to make it or not. Uh, and that that weighed that weighed heavy the, the heaviest. So it was hard to think of anything. I mean, I still was making music. I still was designing everything writing most of the stuff with josh who passed away later on uh and and that was it like it was just like it was like part-time uh and it was pretty it was you know it means a lot now but at the time it was just like another thing you know it was like a it was a it was like a a form of expression to say you know uh yeah it was a way for me to let things out and uh I mean i i was going through things that you know it's tough tough thing for a 19 year old kid a 18 year old kid to swallow you know
0: yeah absolutely well yeah, you were dealing with adult shit when you weren't prepared to deal with that at all yeah I, you know i couldn't even
1: drink in a bar yet <laughs> yeah you know and i'm gonna go to prison with a bunch of men you know
0: it's, right it, was, it, was, it wasn't easy for sure yeah you know? Um, and kind of, kind of speaking of that, was it, you know, I, I'm, g- I'm going to kind of presume that your method of survival once you were in prison is basically just kind of keep your head down and keep to yourself or, you know, how did you, I guess, preserve yourself?
1: You'd think that would be the move, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for a smart person. <laughs> okay. Sorry. My fault. So what did, what
1: did you do? <laughs> uh, I mean, I started that way. Uh, the second I got to Camden County. Uh, and and I always tell this story where they put you in like a seven day lockdown I won't get into this because I could go on for a really long time No,
0: no, yeah, I just I, Yeah, the mode of survival is what I'm most interested in That's all
1: they, they, it, You know, I, I walked in and They put you in a seven day quarantine For you know, first sitting there in case you're like dope sick Or anything or the flu So the first night I ate a bunch of Xanax and shit before I went in Uh Kind of with the attentions of like, well, if I wake up from this, that's, uh I wake up. If I don't, fuck it, too, you know. Right. So I woke up to like, the sound of like a, a kid screaming, crying. It felt like it was going on for so long before I actually could open my eyes and wake up. And uh, it went on, for, it went on for hours, man. And I was just sitting in this cell by myself, like, cold as fuck. It was winter, it was November, so it was pretty fucking cold in Canada And uh, just listening to this kid crying, and screaming, like, why am I in here? Like, someone help me, and all this shit. So I asked the CEO later on, like, what had happened with that kid. And, and, and I found out that he was, like, he was out one night, like, looking for his girlfriend. Like, and he smoked a bunch of, like, wet. He was an 18-year-old kid, smoked a bunch of wet seen his girlfriend talking to some dude out front of a, a club and walked up to a kid and shot the kid in the head. Oh. Uh, and, and it wound up being his the girl's cousin. And you know, they, they locked him up that night and he fucking woke up like when he sobered up I guess and had no idea what he had even did. And I was like, man, what the fuck? You know, and this is like my introduction to this shit. And then you know, I go put in the general population with like the worst block because my crime was like a violent offender a violent crime so I got stuck in with violent offenders as I should it's like you wanna fucking do this shit like yeah, you better grow up and this is where you're gonna be you know and the first night I slept in there I woke up my shoes were gone I walked out of my cell and there's a Puerto Rican dude standing with like four other Puerto Rican dudes on the other end of the jail just wearing my shoes just like politicking like nothing was really going on
0: right and I so walked
1: he, over. i yeah. walked over to him. i'm like yo man i think you got my shoes on he's like i think, think you got your what you know I'm like i think you got my shoes on he's like all right well come in my cell let's talk about it so i already knew what it was so boom 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 i get beat up i go back to my cell they call account just the, the ceo comes and looks in the window i'm like kind of hiding my face because it's like lumped up they open the cells again. I go back over to them to try to get my shoes again. They're about to beat me up again. And, like, some of their old head guys came over and were like, look, you're causing too much heat over here. Give the kid his shoes back. So they gave my shoes back. But then, like, I had, like, beef with these, like, the, the younger guys, like, the whole time I was in Camden County. So I was, like, fighting, like, every other day in there for, like, three months until they until I got moved to, like, actual prison. But, um... In actual prison, it was like way, way easier. Like, people were way more chilled out. Like a lot of people were like working towards getting like paroled and stuff. So, I mean, I got in a couple things, but as I got more comfortable, I was just like in there like, you know, like playing cards all the time, gambling. I got really into gambling and mm-hmm. I was good at playing cards. So, I started to develop, like I started to develop quite a like, ch- like chest full of
0: commissary,
1: uh,
0: right. stuff to trade i'm sorry i said yeah right like stuff to trade
1: yeah so then i became like this dude that had a, shit, a little white kid That was, i had like a ton of shit like i had some respect in there because i wasn't afraid to fight or anything but like i'm still by myself not affiliated to anybody and you know floating. so you know i would make some moves and kind of like grease the right people in the, in the right places I had like a pretty strong connect of this one CEO I knew that knew somebody on the outside. So like when I was going outside details to do shit, like he would let me sneak Burger King back in or McDonald's. And then I would always hit like the right people with like a burger here and there. So it was a little bit of like you had to work it, you know what I mean? I wasn't in there like I wasn't in there like, you know, getting extorted you know like but i had to grease the right people to like make myself be able to survive not even survive honestly i was like living like in there like i had like everything i needed at one point i had like i was like the only dude in my tier that had a blanket and a radio you know people see that shit and they're like what the fuck is this little white guy i'm gonna take this shit from him right. but i made it to where they really couldn't so it was just like planning you know what i mean like and i think that's when i really started to realize that like if I'm using my brain a little bit more, I can kind of get shit done and rather than being just like an emotional maniac.
0: Yeah, totally. Well, it, it sounds like too, that, you know, through, you started to realize that like you had probably honestly value in a way where it's like, Hey, like, yeah, I'm not just this, you know, degenerate, like, yeah, I can be that, but like, I can also do shit if you put your mind to it, you know? Yeah, for sure. That's sick. And yeah. it, it, it sounds like too, like, you know, from the way you've spoken about it in other interviews, that you know music was definitely you know foundational and kind of a salvation for you in many respects um was that was that true or is that that just kind of well it
1: was and it wasn't it, I mean, it wasn't at first when I came home because we did some horror shows and I came home and we had dreams of grandora doing something like you know mortal along the lines of like what nothing was doing uh, with josh and then uh I had plans to move to L.A. in a couple years after I saved enough money. They went out. A couple of the guys from Harsher went out to L.A. I was lagging behind. Uh, I was trying to save more money because uh, uh, obviously it took me a little bit longer to find a job than everybody else had already been working and saving. And then uh, Josh, who I used to write all the Harsher songs, like I got killed in a motorcycle accident. Yeah. Uh, and then my friend, Stony, who I grew up with, died, like, in a got, got killed in a drunk-driving accident as well, like, only, like, a year later. So, once again, I felt, like, really stuck in Philly. Things got pretty hopeless, and music was definitely not on in the options at this point anymore. Uh, I was like, I'm not going to do this without Joss kind of thing, you know. Uh... And, you know, a lot of things happened and I moved to L.A. and I got out of like a shitty relationship. I was like off and on on like some drugs and like kind of banged up in the world. Uh, moved to L.A., had like a mental breakdown. Uh, and I just had like an epiphany one night when I uh, like that I needed to like try play play music again, you know
0: yeah and how, hey man, that was it. and how did your um you know as you were going through all of this you know weird this trauma but then also you know the weird music you were bringing home and you know how was your mom reacting to all this stuff like you said she's kind of you know your, your main support system um how was she reacting to this stuff as you were going through it oh man she's happy for sure um it's like the
1: one thing I could take away from this whenever I'm like, even distraught with even the nothing stuff or anything else I'm doing. Like, it's always nice to be like, you know, you, the amount of stress I put on this poor woman in my life was turbulent, awful fucking... Up and down roller coaster I've made of my I've made of myself in my life. Uh, it's nice to have, have watch her be like, you know, proud and you know, see 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 it like your your child like doing something that makes you smile and stuff and happy. So it's 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 that's like one thing I can always take away from this, no matter how uh, jaded I get about like everything that I do.
0: Yeah, no, that's really cool. Um, and then, you know, as you, uh, as you, like you said, had the, you know, epiphany and you started to realize, like, hey, let's focus on making music, um, you know, the you, clearly nothing started slow in regards to, you know, you were just kind of putting music out there with some friends. Um, when did you kind of feel that it actually picked up momentum where people, like, recognized what you were doing?
1: I think after the relapse thing, I'm guilty of everything came out, where, like, I was like, wow. I was like... I think like this is actually something this could could be important, um, and uh, you know by that point like I was I was I was managing like ten bars in Philadelphia like I had bar- worked my way up from a busboy out of prison to a part owner in one of the bars and like managing uh, eight other ones for the, for the owner, like overseeing all of them. So like, I, I got like over like 12 years of doing that. Like I, I've learned how to like manage things pretty well, I think as well as working in like customer service. So like learn how to like swallow shit from idiots, you know, like a lot of things I learned from working in that fucking business. Uh, also learn how to become a, a complete alcoholic as well. But uh, man, what are you going to do? <laughs> sure. every, job, every job has its fucking downfalls, I guess. But, yep. um, you know, it made sense to me. I was like, you know, finally after that record coming out and there's like more money and there's like things moving. I'm like, OK, it's time that I need to like really start to manage this like, like it's more like work shit, you know, and, and I did. And then all of a sudden I was like, well, like, you know, I'm going to quit working in these bars now and just try to do this full time while i can so i can really focus on it and then, right and six years later there you go here i am i'm <laughs> doing it but um pretty much right now with guys that i worked with in philly and i'm asking them if i might have to pick up a couple shifts because our record's taking so long to come out
0: at this point <laughs> right, right right so
1: i might not be managing it all that well but
0: that's oh, okay you gotta fill in the gaps here and there it happens yeah, yeah. Did you, uh, you know, like you said, as you started to, you know, see that there was stuff happening on the business side of things, like, you know, do you, like, do you like dealing with the business side of, of music or is that something that's just kind of a necessary evil?
1: I hate dealing with money. Uh, I usually pawn money off on like management at this point, but you know, like we have manager management, but I, I still oversee everything because I'm a crazy person. Uh, and I never feel like anybody's doing as good a job as I would be doing. It. Right. It's probably a pretty awful trait, but, um, I'm usually right about it though. Like, I, I can't wait to be proven wrong one day. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I hate dealing with money, but I love dealing with like being in control of everything else that's going on as far as creativity and like who we're playing shows with and what the record's going to look like. And
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right like uh, like the creative stuff that's that's behind the band.
1: Yeah 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 and, and and also like the creative marketing side of shit too. You know what I mean? It's not like like I like marketing. I just hate the own money. You know like I loved coming up with like the campaign for the tire tomorrow stuff like right. You know like just like I love doing shit like that. You know it's like basic shit I was doing in the bars like trying to get people in there. You know what I mean? It's just like an elevated version of that.
0: Yeah. Well, it uh, to, to to me I I really liked I I love it too because I think it it really embodies you know kind of who you are as a person where it's like yeah you're always looking, you know, uh, you're looking at the devious side of things or being like oh yeah I want to ruffle some feathers. Um but you can do it where it's going to attract attention to your band. It's like, you know, yeah, paint the roof of an abandoned building like that's pretty sick. Yeah. And it's like That ah, was
1: no, that was not abandoned. That was <laughs> That was a block that was a block in Brooklyn that uh, was completely – the whole block was filled up and only two of those houses, like four, three of the letters to the left were like a part of the building of the, the house that I knew the person was there and the rest of them were completely illegal as
0: fuck. <laughs> See, well, yeah, but to, to your point, that's rad because it's like – it still embodies kind of who you are as a person but then it, it attracts attention to the band because they're like, how did they do this?
1: Yeah, some people notice, some people don't. That's the thing I've realized too. A lot of people have a really short attention span and I I kinda bake my, break my back a lot of the time and break everybody else's back in the band a lot of the time. It's sometimes it's you know, it, it goes goes really unnoticed. But I guess that's just the way art is though, you know? Like maybe like posthumously uh, someone one day will be like, Oh, that kid had a good work ethic and he's pretty smart. But right. who knows?
0: <laughs> right, right. Well I, I think I think there's something to that where, you know, you approach the way, even though, you know, Nothing and Death of Lovers, like, there are elements of it that aren't rooted in punk or hardcore, but you're always going to view it through that spectrum, you know? You're going to approach it with that same way that you did for all your, you know, your terrible punk bands or whatever. Um, And I presume that, that, I presume that kind of bums people out that don't have experience with punk and hardcore, or have you found that it does it
1: yeah for sure i mean it's not even this that it's like it's like there's there's elements of that but there's also elements of like i have friends of bands that are like from our world that are like you know different genres but they're like successful fucking bands and they like come and ask me for like advice about uh lagunitas please uh thanks t and you know it, they ask me for like business advice. <laughs> it's just fucking like, crazy to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have like guys and like I can't say any bands because like yeah, I you don't want blow up their I spot. Don't, I don't. Yeah, but like there's like pretty big bands like they ask me like like part time like help them like help manage them and shit. And then I'm just like, man, I could barely manage my life. Like, what the hell are you talking about?
0: Right. <laughs> right. You know. <laughs> it, I, I mean, I'm sure that is kind of. Funny to you, just because you're like, yeah, everything that has happened so far has been by you know not accident, but like you know, I don't, know, uh, I don't know why it
1: yeah, I don't know why it happened either. It happened for like, it, it happens because th- that's what the world is. The world is just this chaotic mess of uh, randomness. It's just like you know. It's just it doesn't ha- doesn't have a plan for anybody. No one's nothing is planned at all. Everything's chaotic and uh nothing means anything. <laughs> right,
0: right. <laughs> yeah. And man. I
1: think I think that that was the, the realizing that was the only thing that ever gave me a up. The only time in my life I felt like I ever had a upper hand in anything is when I till I figured that out.
0: Right. <laughs> um. And, you know, go, uh, going through all of uh, the you know chaotic stuff that you did with your last record as far as, like, you know, with Collect and then going to going back to Relapse and stuff like that was, um, I'm sure it was frustrating because you just had to wait around for your record to get released, you know, for much longer than you originally anticipated.
1: Yeah, I mean, that was just a fucking mess. That was a bad idea in general. I got, I've seen money signs, honestly, to tell you the perf- perfect truth. Yeah, I didn't even think about where they were coming from or anything. I just seen dollar signs and just that's like the, you know, that's the neighborhood coming out of me. You know, I was like, "Fuck this!" That means I don't have to work for a fucking year at least doing this. You know, right? And and that was all that was. You know, and I I really liked what Jeff Rickley was telling, like spewing. It was good enough. You know, uh, he's like, "Hey, we got this." He's like, "I got a backer." He's like, "An old Thursday fan." He's a financial guy. It's like he works in hedge funds. or and I was like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. I was like, I don't care. I was like, he's willing to f- spend this much money on us? Yeah, we're in. Fuck it. And Renio manager was just like, yo, you, we should be wary of this. Like, this is really unstable. And I was like, yeah, but look at the money. And he's like, yeah, I feel you. And he's like, well, if you're going to roll the dice, I'll do it. I was like, I've been rolling my dice, uh, dice my whole life. Like, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. What's the what's the worst thing? Any time
1: I've ever asked myself. <sighs> all right. Thanks, T. Oh God.
0: Are they are they giving you off-brand beer?
1: <laughs> no, it's got something floating in it. I just noticed now. I'm not drinking that shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, they gave me the, the beer that I didn't ask for. Of course, yeah. there's a shot of Jameson attached to it, though was so yeah. a DJ like a, like at like ten o'clock tonight. And It's like I'm um, oh, I it, it's it's one got another, now. You got, another,
0: you got another five hours. You better slow down.
1: <laughs> I know. Tell me about it.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah, like you said, what's the worst that can happen? And then obviously the worst happened. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, we got out of it, so it wasn't the worst thing that happened. I, I mean, it was definitely. Uh, and you know, I I I I. I made a statement immediately when I figured out everything was going on and I tried to roll the situation in my fucking favor like I always do. I'm not stupid, you know? I I was making a stand and I was putting ourselves and our band and the record in a really awful position by making a stance on the fact that I'm going to be the first band that's going to say, I'm off this fucking label. I'm not doing this record with this guy. It's kind of bummed a lot of people out on the label because they were like, well, we were going to address this as a whole thing, and I was like, "There's nothing to address. I'm not doing it." And that's it, you know. And it kind of put us in a really shitty position. But I also knew that that was important that we I did what I did. You know what I mean? It was it had to be done. There's no ifs and rounds around about it. And it's just because everyone else wants to sit and fucking ponder at all these things. Like I already have it figured out. You know what I mean? I'm not doing a record with him and fuck this guy and fuck everybody in the with him. And that was it. And. You know, and it wound up working in our favor anyway. Like, you know, people were like, oh, you guys are good guys. I'm like, well. Yeah,
0: you're you know, like, that wasn't. <laughs> right, that's partially true.
1: <laughs> it's partially true, but I also knew that what the fuck was going to happen. It was going to happen to everybody anyway. I could sit here and tell you that I didn't care about any of the shit he was doing. Like, I still couldn't put a fucking record out with him. You know, that wasn't the case, obviously. Like, I have friends, I have HIV positive friends that, you know, that depend on the these kind of medicines that he was inflating and stuff you know it's like but like you know that it's not always the, the case like you know what 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 was going to happen was going to happen regardless you know
0: yeah totally whether and you just wanted to distance yourself as far as away as you could from it
1: yeah immediately because fuck that guy i ate that shit i don't like
0: yeah you don't need that in your life <laughs> um no.
1: Hey, you think that I relate with any type of shit like that, without, like a guy like that? No,
0: no way. No. Just because you know, just like, because he found music that is somewhat tangentially related to nothing doesn't mean you have any, any any similarities to him.
1: He also fucking knew to keep me out of his fucking mouth, too, which is pretty funny. He's sitting there talking shit, the ghost face in that video, probably knew that i would come look for his fucking ass because i actually would i would go stalk his fucking apartment so i see him beat the shit out of him
0: totally yeah i think
1: i think he knew it too i think he knew it he didn't he didn't start a fight with me at all
0: (laughs) yeah i love that um, and so, he like, would rather fuck with Wu Tang instead. Yeah, you'd rather, right. He'd rather, you'd rather mess with people who aren't actually. going to I don't do
1: know that. why he would think to mess with Ghostface though. Ghostface no. is a scary guy.
0: Hell yeah, hell yeah. I wouldn't do that. Most normal people. I asked would. him for a selfie once. It didn't work out at a vice out.
1: party. No, he was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> And he did the selfie with me, and my, I tried to take the picture, and my phone fucking had, didn't have enough storage. Aww. So I was like, oh, shit. I was like, hold up. I got to delete a couple things. And he just looked so pissed. But I, got, I still got the selfie at him.
0: Oh, hell yeah, dude. You, you win on that one.
1: <laughs> that was a long time ago. And then I went to some dinner thing the other day, and he was there, and he didn't remember. Thank God. so
0: that's amazing. <laughs> two last things I want to hit on before I let you go. Um, yeah. One of them is the, uh, you know, clearly, since you've been doing the, uh, you know, Death to Lovers project now for, you know, quite some time. And, you know, you play shows with it and you, you're as active as you can be with it. Um, is it basically just like super fun to have these two, you know, diff- different, but, you know, kind of similar projects existing in the world where it's like, yeah, man, I'm just, it's just another, it scratches another itch for me.
1: Uh, I mean, it, we. I had dreams of grand Door with this thing, uh, but like Nick, Nick, who I wrote the record with, with Kyle and so then, he just like he's done with touring. He just doesn't want to do it anymore, and like he quit nothing. Uh, like he gave his week, he gave his most notice a while ago. It's not like like me and him hang talk every single day. Like it's not nothing. Bad or anything, it just sucks that we put so much work into that record last night We can't really. I don't. I don't feel comfortable doing it without him. And I really love the project, you know. And I think that has potential to do really well. Uh, but you know, that's the way it goes. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, some-
1: maybe in, maybe in like thirty years. Before North, North Korea blows us up and like the world is in fire, uh, <laughs> someone will be like, "Yeah, that was a really good record. Yeah, so just did something with that." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you know, and, and now that that you know, nothing has an established kind of you know touring base where you can go out and headline and stuff like that. Like, do you uh, do you enjoy touring now, or is it kind of you know does it still in certain respects feel like an element of work?
1: Nah, man, I hate touring.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: I like playing shows, but I hate touring. I hate being away from my dog. I hate being away from my, my family, friends. Uh, but it's a you know, it's a necessity. Uh, you can't you know. I managed to be lucky enough to be playing music for a living now. Somehow, after all this bullshit, I managed to still be walking around and doing what I want to do in the midst of things that I've done to myself and I've done to other people and haven't been stopped yet as a, as a human. And, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I'm here and, you know, and I'm lucky, uh, in a sense to be doing what I, I care about the most as far as like being a human. Uh, so I, I always respect it, it, whether I like it or not. So that's, right. that's, that's, that's what you get from me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you, re- you recognize that it's an important part of it, but it doesn't have to be your like, you know, your, your number one joy. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, like you, you would be in an ideal world. You would just basically create music and put out records and play like you know, 10 shows a year.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. Right.
0: <laughs> That's, okay. We'll see, let's, let's see if we can get you there. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I, I don't see. I don't foresee that being the case. But you mean, I, I would have never fore, foreseen this happening. You know.
0: Right. Right. And do you? Um. You know. Kind of the last thing. And this. This may be a big question, but like, do you? You know. Do you personally kind of feel? I guess more. You know. Stable or rooted now. Um. And it, you know. You can still live a chaotic lifestyle, but it, you don't have to. You know. Feel as like like you said, sort of crazy, uh, you know, unbalanced. Um, so, you know, wh- where, do, where do you kind of feel like you're you're at now?
1: Uh, I mean, if you ever had to paint an example of me, it would be the a, a, a visual, visual painting of unbalanced in all senses. So, yeah, I feel like I'm way more chilled out until the day that I'm out for three days straight and, like, get home and I, you know my relationship is fucked up and i don't have enough money in my bank account to pay rent and uh you know i, I don't know man like it, it's it's still it's still day-to-day things it's always just a struggle to uh, to to deal with what life is giving you and what you're taking from life and what you're dealing yourself in life uh you know, I don't think you ever really figure it out. I think it's, you, it's how much, how how little pain you can inflict upon yourself if if that's what you're into. Uh, I think I like inflicting pain on myself subconsciously sometimes. I must at this point because I know I'm not that numb. So right,
0: right. You, you're like I, I I'm choosing to make the same mistake over and over again.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's like standing in front of, like, incoming traffic sometimes and, like, moving out of the way at the last second. It's not necessarily because I want to not be in this planet because I have well enough utilities to eliminate myself from the Earth. Uh, it's more along the lines of, like, knowing, feeling what, well, thinking that you know what everything is about and, and just, like, uh, toying with it sometimes. I think that's, that's kind of, like, how I, I fit in
0: right right um, and the last thing I promised was the uh, like would you ever play in a hardcore band again
1: I think I'm too tired to do that <laughs> got it
0: <laughs> You got have a little more stamina and energy for that
1: yeah I mean it's like it's too tired I don't think anybody wants to see somebody standing still in a band so right. the nothing stuff is enough for me I think at this point
0: right right you're like i'm exhausted after a nothing set so and i i yeah. you just you could sing and stand still behind a microphone so <laughs> yeah,
1: i'm not as i'm not as not as exercised as i was in horror show days <laughs> right
0: right right okay that was it and that was nikki and uh dude right just a just a great conversation I also was really, uh, you know, some of you may or I I get criticism sometimes from people being like, oh, why don't you ask like not the most obvious question, but why don't you talk about the thing that everybody talks to that person about? Um, And, you know, it's not phrased that way, but uh, there are certain things like, you know, Nikki has clearly been in jail. He he has uh, discussed that in many, many different avenues. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to kind of belabor that point and ask him. Oh, dude, what'd you get put into prison for? Like, that stuff is easily google Googleable. google There we go. Blah. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to take a little different angle about that. So that's that's hopefully why you listen to this show is, uh, you know, different discussions. Like, not the exact same thing that you hear kind of over and over from different avenues. So, anyways, uh, what do I got for next week? I've got a great show with uh, a person who I am looking up right now, right? <laughs> I have a great chat with Stacey Hilt from the Casket Lottery. He also played in Coalesce as well. Um, I just recently had his bandmate, Nathan Ellis, from Casket Lottery and Coalesce about a month and a half or two months ago, and uh, Stacey actually reached out and was like, dude, I would love to come on the show, and I was like, dude, I would love to talk to you, so it worked out absolutely perfectly, and um, yeah, I'm I'm going to uh, be re- recording a very, very cool, uh, I wouldn't even call it bonus episode, because I'm just going to release it on normal Wednesday, uh, we're going to be doing a me myself and me myself and I <laughs> myself uh, Joey and Jeremy who always uh, you know are 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 compatriots of the show and we always do our uh, year end best of list which we you know published about a, you know two months ago or so uh, we're actually going to be reflecting we're going to be traveling back in time to uh, 2007 in which we talk about our best of records from that year. Uh, Joey came up with the idea and uh, I think it's going to be very fun to revisit our old best of lists and be like do these records hold up? Oh man that record doesn't hold up or like oh no I I don't regret that decision so it'll be uh, really funny and we'll be doing that soon so that's what you got to look forward to and uh, I hope you right there I'm talking to you have a good rest of the day and please be safe everybody you've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network JabberjawMedia.com Shh.